Checking in with Carl Adams from Timberline Sports. Uh, Carl, everything I heard from your neck of the woods north was really good for opening weekend. That is exactly the case. It was uh, We had an excellent bite on the, the two main lakes where everybody was going, is, is Red and, and Black Tech uh, locally, and then all the way up to Lake of the Woods, and all three of those were three of the best bites around. One of the guys I heard from on Lake of the Woods, or actually rather on Red, uh, was on the lake for about a half hour, had his limit, and then it was uh, catch and release the rest of the day. And that was uh, kind of the norm for, for both uh, for, for the Red the whole way. I, I had guys tell me that while the one guy was docking the boat, he caught his limit off the dock while the, <laughs> while the guy was docking the boat. So it, was a, it was a crazy good bite. About as good as it gets, and Red gets really good. Yeah, and and that's uh, that's just uh, I, I knew it was going to be good. I, I guess I didn't realize it was going to be that good, but it was crazy. Uh, did you know? I'm sure part of it was the fact that we got a little bit looser uh, regulation there as far as what we can keep now. Uh, it made it a lot easier to to keep fish for sure. So nobody had a problem keeping fish. Uh, I talked to one of the Creole Survey guys, and they talked about how uh, how they hadn't seen so many 19 inch fish coming through a Creole say, Survey yet. There was, a, there was a lot of nice fish, and, and not only were they biting, you were able to keep whatever you wanted. And I'm sure it was pretty much wherever you wanted to fish. Pretty much. Uh, you know, close to the river was really good. The south shore was really good. Pretty much if you were in shallow water, it was We have a little bit more liberal regulation now, and you, there's a few more fish available to keep than there were in the past years, and that probably made it a lot easier to get that limit that quickly. Yes, it sure did. That uh, having a... A one over twenty inch slot, and and it seems like the majority of the fish are are in that seventeen to twenty inch range. That's what most guys are catching. So it's a it's a nice liberal slot, and a, and a lot of nice fish up there. So darn easy. Uh, what about black tech? Sounds like you you were telling me that that was going well too. Yeah, I think black tech might have been the second hottest lake <laughs> around. It uh, it was a it wasn't quite a red lake fast, but uh, you caught fish and you caught really really nice fish. So. The same thing there. I think the majority of fish were like 16 to 19 inches, um, and uh, biting in that shallow water, that 6 to 10 feet of water, uh, a good jig in the middle bite where I think most guys, if they were out there, you know, especially the mornings and the evenings, caught their limit, and uh, if you found the right spot, you'd catch them even in the middle of the day. Wow. Boy, and Black Duck's really on an upswing. They had a really good year last year, if I recall. It did. There was a huge number of that, that one-year class last year. So last year they were... Uh, mostly 14 and 15 inches, and this year uh, a lot of those fish are uh, 16, 17, 18 inches, and, and uh, there's just a lot of really nice fish in the lake right now, and, and it's all that one-year class, and, and uh, they've been biting, and hopefully they'll bite all, all summer long. All right. Um, I know one thing, there is a lot of jig and minnow fishing early in the year, but not necessarily on black duck and red. What were you hearing for presentations? Uh, it was mostly jigging a minnow. It was, okay. Many other, other types. A, a few guys bobber fishing on both those two lakes. Uh, if you like to bobber fish, uh, it, it works out well on, on both those lakes. So there was a few guys bobber fishing. Uh, and, and on red, there's always a few guys starting to pull cranks. It's maybe a little cold for it. Uh, I, don't, I didn't hear as good a bite doing that, but there was some fish caught doing that too. Okay. And what did you hear about Lake of the Woods? The reports up there were really good too. So they... Uh, a lot of guys just outside the river, some, some guys traveling out on the lake, though, and having some just a really, really good bite up there, too. I tell you, you get a, a good opening weekend, and that just uh, sets a nice tone, you know, what you hope for the rest of the year. Doesn't, no guarantee, of course, but certainly gets people in a good mood in a real hurry. 
it does. I said, I think uh, the bite for all the guys that got out are, are really excited about it, and, and I think they're going to make a lot more trips, and, and uh, it, it just gets everybody a lot more excited. And, and the weather forecast wasn't that nice, but the weather ended up being really nice over the weekend. So, uh, you know, we didn't have any of those rain showers people are worried about. The temperature, the wind blew a little bit, but the temperatures are... We're actually pretty comfortable, and, and I think I think everybody that, that made it out fishing was really excited about it. They had a good time and, and uh, should be excited for the rest of the summer now. So I would say if we're going out, uh, be sure we stock up in jigs and minnows, huh? Uh, right now it's a jig and a minnow bite, and uh, and uh, it's a fun a fun bite, and a, it's time to take advantage of that because uh, it won't be long, and you'll need leeches and crawlers and have to change your style. So it's uh, it's uh, right now uh, stock up on some jigs and some minnows, and and we've kept both of them all in stock. It should be a good bite. All right. Have you had a chance to go out to catch a walleye yet? I've been out on Blacktick, and uh, we caught our limit real fast. It was it was good. So, <laughs> so you can go back to work, right? That's right. <laughs> and speaking of work, Carl, Timberline Sports, uh, you got every, everything we need, right? We should have everything you need there. Uh, and besides yourself, a good crew that uh, will be able to give us good fishing advice? That is exactly right. All our guys there know uh, where the fish are biting. If nothing else, they can ask me after I sneak out. Okay. Um, I guess it comes down to where you prefer to fish if those three lakes are as hot as you say, and it might come down to wind. I mean, if it's a really windy day, probably Blacktick's your best bet. And that's usually the case. Um, that's why there was actually a lot of people out on Blacktick this weekend, just because there was some wind on, on red. Um, red isn't as bad in that strong wind. It, it sometimes slows the bite down a little bit, but when there's... Uh, you don't have to go very far from shore, so we had a little bit of east in the wind in the morning um, anyway, so that kind of keeps it not quite as uh, rough on red. And if you can, uh, I said, if you can, if you don't have to go out very far, uh, which you didn't, you could stay pretty close to the river. That made life a little bit easier. So there was people, even on the windy day, windy weekend we had up on red catching fish too. So All right. And one final question. Any color prefer- preference that you heard? You know, I, I don't think it mattered a little bit. Uh, we, we always hear a lot of uh, golds and pinks and oranges on on uh, red. Those will be the colors I hear the most. Uh, black, it can vary a little bit, but stuff with a little bit of glow was good. The water is a little stained this year. so. Okay. Carl Adams from Timberline Sports and Tackle. And, by the way, congratulations, Carl, the new owner. Uh, I guess that's congratulations, right? Well, they, I, I hope so. <laughs> some days maybe, some, some days yes, yep. some days no, right? That's right. Carl, thanks for your time today. We always appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, Kev. This is Fish and Paul Bunyan Country. Ask the aquatic biologist. Time once again to check in with the aquatic biologist, Dr. Andrew Hafes out of Bemidji State University's aquatic biology program. Andy, um, one of the things that has really changed the fishing success for a lot of people is technology whether it is the sophistication of the lures we're using, um, even the, the rod and reels, but really mapping, sonar, cameras. Uh, it's just making it seem unfair, and yet the fish do continue to win more often than not. <laughs> but um, with that, I know we're seeing more success uh, per capita than we used to. And I guess, the, you know, as always, we t- look at the long-term things. <laughs> Is, this, is there a long-term effect we're going to see from this? Those are interesting questions. Um, the two main effects that I see from this are the one that you mentioned, right, is that an average angler or below average angler, like I consider myself to be, <laughs> becomes a, a better angler in comparison to people in the past with the use of these advanced technologies, right? Okay. There's no doubt in our minds that 
having a Vexlar or a Showdown or some sort of electronics or camera makes us better at that, right? Yeah. Catching fish, locating fish. The other thing that is really interesting too is that these things are fun to use, right? <laughs> yeah, they're, so they're a blast. The effects of that are that we we can recruit more anglers, right, mm-hmm. to actually use them. And I know that's an area of concern right now is how many new anglers are we recruiting uh, for license sales so that we can manage these resources, right? And the wheelhouse era, right, mm-hmm. and these this technology. I think has helped that, right? Where there are people out there fishing now that are or that have bought licenses because they like hanging out in those wheelhouses or they like using their electronics. Right. That, I know that I fish more because I have that, right? Stuff. Okay. Yeah. So that's the two main things: is just how it's impacting total angler numbers, and then how it is impacting our effectiveness. And the main question is: is can managers keep up with this change? in their management of the resources. So, for example, the, one of the most challenging calculations that we have to do now based upon this is catch per unit effort. How many fish are you catching per hour of angling? Right? That's a metric that's commonly used. Well, think about how wheelhouses have changed that. Sleeper houses. Are you yeah. fishing while you're sleeping? Yeah. I, yeah, of. right? Yeah. With the rattle wheels and things like that. Sure. Is that the same level of effectiveness that you have during the day or right at dusk when you're there actively jigging and having a a tip down or whatever else, those are difficult questions. And also, how can a biologist that is out there trying to estimate how many total hours of fishing has occurred, how can they even know if you're fishing or not when you're in your sleeper house? Yeah. So that estimate alone shows you the difficulty that some of these technologies and, and changes in the field have resulted in complications to the abilities to estimate key metrics yeah. like harvest per hour, right, or right. catch per hour. So those are those are the questions that I have: is how are we going to keep up with that? In and the so future? you want to know that so you can determine whether you need to be stricter on limits and things like that right. to, to keep those numbers at a at a healthy level. That's right. Total harvest is a key estimate we need. Natural mortalities. Total mortality is easier to estimate. We can go and set nets and capture age ones, twos, threes, fours, develop curves and estimate mortality. But knowing what portion of that mortality is from the anglers is also key. And we need to be able to estimate effectiveness right? Yeah. and how much total fishing is actually occurring because we can't survey everyone. The DNR cannot possibly survey every individual and say, how many fish did you catch? Mm-hmm. At least at this point in time. Well, I know, you know, and... and it's a very sophisticated angler market out there. Also, I do think they are, um, by and large, conscious and have a conscience when it comes to preserving, you know, the the fishery. They want it to be preserved. Uh, catch and release is, is a very, very common thing. Now, it's almost a second nature thing. But talk a little bit about then, yeah, okay, we're catching more, but we're releasing. That... But there's 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 some mortality that goes along even with catch yeah. and release, right? Yep, I have an entire class where we talk about uh, the ethics of that. Uh, there are very good things that result from catch and release, but there are also ethical issues. Uh, do fish feel pain when and what percentage of them are actually dying? Right. I mean, how many people that are listening to the show have all gone out perch fishing in thirty feet of water or greater, 
done catching release all day and then you have a hole full of fish that are belly up trying to go back down because their gas bladders are inflated. Okay. Right? There are some serious ethical issues related to that that I struggle with and still struggling with. Right? Mm-hmm. Should, we, should I be doing that or should I harvest those fish? Um, should I be fishing shallower so it doesn't happen? What times of the year should I fish? Uh, but these equipments that we originally started talking about, they're fun, right? They add to the experience, and they're, I think they're a good thing, yeah. right? They're recruiting new anglers for us. Uh, the, the goal is not just to go out and fish. The goal is to go catch fish, right? We want yes. the anglers to go out there and be successful. Absolutely. Right? So I, I, I love these equipments. I think they're just the neatest thing. Uh-huh. And they should be encouraged, you know. And and uh, but I, I I do like, you know, the fact that we we think about it, and we're trying to make some long term decisions that are right as well. Um, I think that's important as well. Right, and I think the people, everyone should be cognizant of the issues related to catch and release and what you're doing when you're out there. Try to minimize the pain of these organisms, and their suffering as much as possible. I mean that's. A, a moral thing to do, right? Yes. <laughs> so, uh, okay. But go out and catch fish. Heck yeah. I do like to catch fish. Yeah. <laughs> and I do like to eat fish too. I got to be yeah, honest. Yeah, me too. <laughs> right. All right, Andy, as always, we appreciate your time and your insight. Uh, you, you bring a, a little different flavor to the show every week, and, uh, and, I, and I love it. So thanks. Great. Thanks for the time. Call it Duty Modern Warfare is here, and so is Mountain Dew. Roger that. Now you can unlock in-game rewards like only Dew can. Wait, what rewards? A Dew Operator Skin. Man, I love Operator Skins. Dual double XP, and even Call of Duty points. You're kidding me. Double XP and Call of Duty points? This is incredible. I can't believe it. This... Soldier, get a hold of yourself. Oh, Roger that. Look for specially marked packaging and visit mtndugaming.com for details and restrictions. Open to U.S. residents 17 plus. Call of Duty points available on 12 and 24 packs and free 20 and 23. If you own a small to medium-sized business that kept employees on payroll through COVID, you may have a big cash refund waiting for you. The Employee Retention Credit is a tax credit of up to $26,000 per employee. And now, more businesses than ever qualify. The experts at RefundsPro.com specialize in cutting through the red tape of qualifying for this government program. Most of their refunds are over $100,000. Even businesses that have received PPP funds may be eligible. And there are absolutely no fees unless you receive a refund. So there's no reason not to apply. If your business experienced shutdowns, limited capacity, supply chain challenges, or reduced revenue due to COVID, you likely qualify. RefundsPro.com has already helped hundreds of businesses. So don't lose the refund you're owed by missing the deadline. Get started today with a free 5-minute questionnaire at RefundsPro.com. That's Refunds with an S, Pro.com.